Welcome to the Mad Pastors Podcast, the honest podcast for honest pastors, powered by G6 Allies, because everybody needs an ally. And welcome back, everybody. Mad Pastors Podcast, Red Flags. One of these episodes, I should bring in an actual red flag and probably not. wave it. You think? No? Might Maybe not? Right on that. Uh, then I wave the white flag the on the red flag. I'd prefer you wear pants in the studio before you bring in red flags. Not but. doing that today. <laughs> this is Anchorman style. Um, so This is 2020 quarantine. Everybody works from home on Zoom with no pants on style. Uh, oh, truth. And I can smell it. Um, but all that to say, uh, we are now in episode two of our new series of podcasts called... Red flags. So we have been, we're, we're kind of, we set up a, this whole idea of um, red flags and what they look like and why they're important. And, and really, to, I mean, honestly too, I mean, you can talk about red flags in a lot of different contexts and a lot of places, but I, I think that, especially in the church, you can talk about how it hurts other people and how it can, but in the church, you are, you're not just saying, well, there are red flags in business. We fired a guy, we hired a new accountant, or we did this, we got somebody, or somebody in my crew left. I mean, this is, you're talking about essentially the lives of people, the spiritual well-being of people, how people are pastored. And I think that we get way too willy-nilly and way too, well, let's just hire them, bring them on. Um, and we have to be really careful with red flags. And so, I mean, I think one, one great quote that I've heard is that ignoring red flags because you want to see the good in people will cost you later. And I think that if you broaden that out to the church, I think mostly it's because let's just be really honest. Uh, we're more cowards than we are well-wishers and thinkers. And so we either, we want to brush over things and hope that they'll work themselves out because then we don't have to deal with them. Right. Yeah, I think so. Uh, but I, I, I do think there is certainly, particularly in the church world, uh, there is an element of unmerited optimism about mm -hmm. pastors. Like, I yeah. can't possibly believe that a pastor would be bad or that they would well, do something bad or. Which is weird like, because it's one or it's, it's two extremes. Mm -hmm. It's never in the middle. A pastor is never human. Uh, they're either the scum of the earth who must be raping and pillaging and doing all kinds of terrible things, or they're so great. And I can't believe that. And it, it's weird. There's it, a it's, weird it ignorance is, there. It is, it is weird. And I guess and that's, that's our culture. And that's why we're, we're doing this series, right? Yeah. Because sure. we're drawing attention to some of the red flags, some of the warning signs, some things that we as fellow pastors yeah. and we as uh, church members who, who love our church and who love our, our mm -hmm. pastoral leadership ought to be looking for and sure. be aware of so that so that it doesn't catch us off guard, right? Also note, your pastor being human is not a red flag. Your pastor pretending to be inhuman is. Ha ha! They work against each other. <laughs> uh, so the opposite is true. But no, I, so today we're going to talk about, and so we, we, you know, we, we went back and forth. What do we call this episode? What do we talk about this episode? And, and we wanted to take it, not, not necessarily saying, because uh, it was going to be called when to fire your pastor. And then we thought, 
there's a lot of pastors out there hurting. <laughs> a lot of people. Might be a little on the nose. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of people, though, that are because we are for pastors mm-hmm. first and foremost. And because uh, here's the deal. Now, if you're not a pastor, we hope you listen to this. We hope you get it, grow out of it. But we listen to this so that not only pastors are encouraged and invested in, but so that you do a better job of taking care of your pastor. I mean, and, and here's why I know that this is important is because rarely do people ever take care of pastors who are burnout, broken and need help. And they don't give, they don't tithe, they don't even give 1% or 2%. But you better believe that they should be there at every moment that you have a hard time or a difficulty and and sacrifice everything for you, even though you sacrifice nothing. And that's not to attack people, but that is whether it's the church's fault or it's our fault or a former pastor's fault. It just is how it is. human nature. Yeah, I think it's human nature. That's just the way. I think it's Adam and Eve's fault. Yes, that's right. We blame them. Um, But so today, rather than call it that... We're going to talk about when, what are red flags? So we we talk about we have to recognize and we have to respond. Those are the two things, right? You can't just, if you recognize it, don't do anything, that's a problem. If you respond without recognizing the true things, that can be a problem, right? Right. So one without the other. And we want to talk about what, what to, how to recognize and respond to warning signs when deciding a pastor's future. And the first thought is, if you're over spiritual is, hey, God decides pastors' futures, right? Thanks, Betty Bible drill. But um, (laughs) at the end of the day, God may decide our futures, but he also allows a lot of leeway for people to be faithful and 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 obedient. Yes, and he he gives his people the authority to... (laughs) To deal with that. ...to to handle those. And recognizing that we've got listeners in different... Only uh, God can judge me, ...ecclesiological backgrounds, right? So we've got some listeners who come from a a more autonomous, where a local body determines um, the, the the fate of employment, or maybe it's an elder board or just a select yeah. group of people. Maybe your denominational structure has uh, bishops or overseers that are over individual pastors, and so that person is who's responsible for hiring and firing That's a, a lot pastor. Of There's all kinds of perspectives on this, right? And so we, we want to be yeah. uh, sympathetic to all those or sensitive to all of the different variations of that. I feel like we just had a Shrek conversation though about church leadership. It's like, it's like every church leadership structure has layers. And, and I feel like Donkey goes, not everybody likes onions. Not everybody likes onions. <laughs> uh, uh, so yeah, thank you for the, the bizarre Shrek reference it, there, Ian. Appreciate you know, everybody loves Kate. Everybody loves Kate. Like, that's what I want to do is like, when they're like, well, we have elders and deacons. Not everybody like elders and deacons. <laughs> now, that's a true statement. Staff not everybody churches. Everybody them. loves staff nut churches. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, good times. Okay, so. Uh, welcome back. Um, yeah. <laughs> So as we're thinking through this, yeah. um, and and this is this is an area that I, I have experience on both sides of this, mm-hmm. right? So I have uh, had several staff members who who reported to me in various churches and settings, mm-hmm. and some of them I've had to fire. Yeah, uh, and I also have been fired myself, and so I I understand both yeah. sides of this. And so as we're thinking through it, I want you to, to know that I know wherever you're at, maybe you've just been fired or sure. maybe you're about to be fired or, uh, you know, or you have to fire someone or you're, you know, contemplating that. I understand where you're you, at. You I hear get the it. rumblings of churches or maybe it's up to you I, and your church to help decide that and real, you know, and decide if that's something that's going to happen or not. So so I do speak out of some experience yeah. on this on this topic. But what we wanted to do, as Ian said, is is 
offer like a framework and some guiding principles right. around this topic. And like you said, we didn't want to call it when to fire your pastor because that sounds yeah. very terminal. Uh, <laughs> then everybody would listen. Principle number one in my mind is considering that pastor's future, right? right? And so we sure. need to many times, uh, and depending on what they're getting fired for, and we're going to, we're going to talk through some of the right. different possibilities there, but being fired from a church oftentimes is a career death sentence yeah. for a pastor. If you've been fired from a church, you're not going to get hired at another church. Just employ so, the Southern Baptist method and force them to resign. Yes. Right. So then, and which is why it started out as some kind of, uh, you know, sympathetic gesture. And, and now it's just gotten really convoluted. It's, but John, John just resigned. Well, why? Well, I don't even know. He's only been here six months. Yeah, but that girl's pregnant in the youth ministry. Oh, wait. Yes. <laughs> Dude, no so, joke. We know. Oh, sorry. I won't say that. Keep going. No more Shrek references again. <laughs> no, uh, but as we as we get into, let's let's first get into why a pastor ought yeah. to be dismissed from their employment, right? And let's also give um, this caveat. This is not, you, when we talk about this, this is not, Leading a movement in a church to fire your pastor because you're staging a coup. This isn't. This isn't dark. If you're doing so, here's the whole gospel. This is the idea of the gospel: is that we don't do things in the dark anymore. We do things in the light. We deal with problems in the light. We deal with situations. So, if this is you having a conversation with your elder board or deacons or whatever group you use or your vision team, that's not what this is about either. Okay, and and we're going to talk about some of that. This is about. If this is a free flow communication and a healthy communication back and forth between you and your pastor, it, there is sometimes there's a point where you have to say, "Listen, we need to talk about what the future looks like," and that's where we're at. Yeah. So let's let's outline a handful of the reasons why, mm-hmm. uh, and maybe kind of briefly describe them, and then we'll yeah. get into some of the meat. So we'll we'll overlap with ourselves a little bit in this conversation. And remember, but, everything we're talking about right now falls through. It doesn't always neatly fall into the filter, but here's the filter. When I'm when I'm assessing a red flag, deciding a red flag from bias, because here's what here's what I don't want to get, and I've had this at churches. I literally had somebody walk up to me in church and go, I don't think you're very godly. You said the word asinine. And I went, have you ever seen a dictionary? So this is between the people that... You said dictionary. (laughs) I did. So, but this is the thing. This is the, it's a joke, but this is, we need to understand. So somebody goes, Bill used that rock music on stage. We need to fire him and get another pastor. That's so personal bias and true red flags. There, there's just a, a four fourfold, four-pronged fork for this and, and filter. Is this a red flag that's found in God's word? Is it a red flag that's logical? Uh, and three, is this a personal issue rather than a red flag? And then four is always, how do I respond right. to those three things? Right. And so if it's a personal issue, that's the last part that that's your fault. Right. Just because they don't have pews anymore in your church is not a reason to let go of your pastor. That's a reason for you to move into the 21st century. And so either way, and if you have pews in your church, it doesn't mean you're not. But once right. somebody decides to update, you need to let that one die at the altar. Yes. As, also, if you don't have an altar, I don't know. <laughs> All right, so... I'm hitting gold today. Yes, hitting something. Um, Okay, so the easiest one in this list of why a pastor should be removed is a moral failing, Mm -hmm. right? Pastor has an affair on his spouse... That's that's or a pretty caught stealing. Or, that's a pretty simple yeah. uh, solution that yes, they, they've disqualified themselves. Or if you're the head of Liberty ministry. University, you and your spouse 
Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. I don't, I'm seeing how many things so, I can hit today. So like moral failings uh, are are a clear reason right. that a pastor uh, can be and should be removed from yeah. from the pastoral office. Sure. Uh, a second one is financial misconduct. Yeah. Right. If, if they're stealing money, if they're misappropriating mm-hmm. funds, if they're misusing funds, those those that's a that's a valid reason. And I think um, that happens far more often than anything else and goes undetected. Yeah. And, and, or, and, or well, and, and those are the two those are the two big ones. Right. Yeah. Sex and money like the, those two things Power, are are money. off limits uh, when it comes to pastoral people. ministry as well. They as well. They, you know, are heirs in those areas. I'm already making limits. the movie. Oh, gosh. Dude, Pure Flix needs something with the with the word sex in it. I, not that I would know because I've never watched Pure Flix because I like non-cheesy movies. But you're welcome. Uh, no, but so so moral, moral failure, financial misconduct, financial misconduct. Uh, the third reason, and this was where it's, we start to parse it out a little more, and it yeah. and it um, has several different things that kind of fit into this one. Yeah. I, I call it work ethic. And sure. I mean a, a couple of different things back to that. You One, mean that the pastor should work 90 hours a week, yes. get no extra money, and take care of everybody? Honestly, um, th- what you just described yeah. may be a reason for stepping in and and for having a church body step in to protect that pastor. That doesn't happen and, often and if And if they don't. You know, hey, you yeah. are working too much. You're you're sure. you're downplaying your family. You're not following biblical principles of rest and those things. Yeah. We got to fix that. We've tried repeatedly to fix that, and you're not doing it. Mm-hmm. So we're going to remove you from from your Which, role. That tends to so, never yeah, be that, the conversation. That conversation is like, why weren't you working more? Yes, right. Anyway. So. Uh, but what the other the other ethic? side of that, so it could mean laziness, sure. right? That uh, a pastor is they're just punching the clock. They're not they're not doing their job. They let things go. They don't uh, attend to details. They don't they don't do the work that they've been hired to do. Because yeah. yes, pastoral ministry is a calling, but there is an element of this is a job that you are yeah, being you important. are earning wages for, yeah. and if you're not doing it then that's a problem. And la- laziness is, so a couple things about laziness, I think. One, the size of your church does not matter. In fact, it's a lot easier to be lazy. One of the one of the recent churches I was at, it was a larger church. And I heard this from the upper echelon, the, the second guy in command. He said, well, the pastor's really concerned with all this other stuff that had nothing to do with what was going on in the people. And he said, he, pro- he, said he probably works about 20 hours a week. And, uh, and he's, I know he's recycling all of his old messages because I know how much that that's laziness. You don't, why would you want that pastor? Right. You and don't, you and don't so, just yeah. Cash it in and, and, you know, and ride, never rest anybody, on your laurels. Like, yeah. That, that's, that's I've a never problem. I've never seen anybody take, this guy took like four vacations a year. And all of us were like, what? The handbook says one Sunday. And he was always <laughs> gone. And so, and, and here's, and it always comes back to this idea too. This is a big red flag. If the anointing of the pastor is always your thing, the anointing of the pastor needs to work both ways. One, it needs to be understood that God has gifted that person and called that person to a place. It doesn't excuse everything that they do. There needs to be respect for the office of pastor and respect for what that means and looks like and a high standard. But it also, it doesn't mean that nobody ever gets to speak up or nobody gets, or that people shouldn't defend them. And so all, but yeah, I'm sorry. And and I I think, Kind of going along with that, another aspect of what I call work ethic reason yeah. for this is a failure to shepherd 
your people. We're seeing a lot more of that. When you are never available to your people, when your people have a problem and you're like, nope, I'm not dealing with that. Well, you're you're not a pastor at that point. So if you're not a pastor, why are we paying you to be a pastor? Sure. Uh, That's the logic of it, right? And that goes to our filter of, is it a logical problem? Yes, this is a logical problem. You're being paid to be a pastor, but you're not being a pastor. So we have an issue. That flies under the radar a lot of times because some, like I, I was talking to a good friend of mine the other day who he was at a church at one point. Where the pastor, I mean, it was more of a glory recognition thing for me because he never let anybody preach on Sundays unless it was like the off Sunday that nobody came or he, uh, which that doesn't mean you don't preach well on that, but that tends to be that pastors go, well, that day doesn't mean as much. So I'm going to stick my student guy there. Yep. Um, I, I think that it's a red flag. It's not on our list, but it's a red flag when your pastor isn't sharing his pulpit with current staff members and investing in them and helping train them. That's just something that should happen. It shouldn't be a once a once a year type of thing. It should be he needs rest, but also, man, pastors don't you don't need to be trying to build yeah. yourself up. You yeah. need to be and building I, others. And that's not a fireable offense. No. But but you're right. It's it it is flag. it is a red flag. Like, hey, is is this pastor list. uh is this pastor investing in his staff and is he is he acting on the discipleship that he ought to but be that leading does, his that people falls to do? underneath mm-hmm. this failure to shepherd and we're seeing it with a lot of famous guys over the last five or 10 years that a lot of them, they don't leave because they're stealing or because they're sleeping around. They leave either because they're just absolute jerks or, and which is a, that's a harshness is a good reason to talk about that. But two, a lot of times it's because they're either, they're either the haves or the wannabes in all of this. They either have it. And so they're speaking everywhere and doing everything, but shepherd their staff, which needs to happen first so that their staff can shepherd their people or, if you don't have that many staff, both. Right. Or uh, it's they're trying so hard. Everything for that that church exists to be to be the rocket fuel to get them up to a national audience. And I, I get the desire for that, it's but it's not a good desire. And you need to you either need to go be an itinerant guy who's got the the balls to do that, or and say, I'm gonna not take a paycheck and I'm gonna go try and be a national voice, or you need to love the people God's given you. Yeah. So failing to shepherd is a big deal. Yeah, and and going with that as well is is a matter of priorities. Yeah, like, definitely. I think it is it is a um, a valid reason to consider dismissing a pastor when it is very clear that that pastor's priorities are on something other than shepherding yeah. their flock, whether yeah, it's a, 100%. you know, their, their own uh, business venture, like speaking engagements. They love yeah. to travel the country and, and speak at conferences and, um, you know, that kind of stuff. Or, and they, they focus on that to the yeah. detriment of their own people. That's, that's a problem. Or yeah. they're, they're more concerned with, you know, earning money and building their side business than they are shepherding yeah. uh, their people or, you know, those those kinds of things. I, and sometimes in, in making sure that you divine that right, maybe if you're in the position to do this or you need to speak to this, maybe if you your church has the money to pay your pastor well and it's because he can't make ends meet. I mean, sometimes there's a lot of things that play into that. But sure. if, if your pastor is well taken care of, they have everything they need and, and probably a little bit more so because they are spending so much time. Uh, then yeah, your, your yeah, we're needs. we're not talking about bivocational right. uh, or pastors, the, or the right? guy that's full time that's like and, I still can't catch a break. Yes, right. So, that's that's not yeah. what we're talking about. We're we're talking about the mm, those who are their priority right. is on other things and sure. and doing other ventures versus shepherding their people. The, uh, or uh, go ahead. Oh no no, here you go. You're good. I, I was gonna say another uh, priorities issue is is not even like a side hustle type of a yeah. of a thing. It's 
it's a um, it's a matter of what it is that they tend to focus all of their time on right. with their people, their, their personal yep. soapbox, whether that is uh, politics, like the only thing they ever teach on yeah. is politics. Man, a bit of that church um, is the worst. Or maybe the only thing they ever teach on is one particular theological issue. Yep. Um, I'm reformed. Or, I'm not reformed. And I'm somewhere and in the middle. They, that's all, or or yeah. a, a cultural issue, whatever it is, there there may be yeah. something if there. If they're more focused on your denomination, I mean, this can be true. We'll pick on it. I'm an equal rights picker. And so I'll pick on anybody. But I mean, that's, that is super true of the SBC. Like I, I laugh sometimes and I go, there's so many guys that spend all their time for a dinky once a year meeting and they all and, and great yeah, it's great to say there's a lot of unity, but if you pay attention to any of that, which I rarely do anymore, is there's not a lot of unity. It's arguing and fighting, and you know what? If the Southern Baptist denomination of meeting disappeared tomorrow, I don't think it would have that big of an effect on our churches. So it whether it's your denomination or and here if you're too worried about proving that you're reformed or that you're it's usually on that side or that you're not reformed, then you you've misprioritized it. Because here's the deal John Calvin was just a guy. Martin Luther was just a guy. I mean, they're just guys. I mean, yeah. everybody else you added to that. So at the end of the day, well, you need to be focused on it's not a bad thing to have opinions on those, to, yeah. to enjoy those. It is a bad thing when that becomes, and, and be honest, is that 60, 70, 80, 90% of your conversations? And is it finding your way into? I mean, I, I talked to a good friend of mine at a church that I used to serve at, and we one of the reasons we left is because it was always. I, and and I don't care if you know my political persuasion or not, but I'm not going to share it. But it was always vote Republican, don't be gay, communists are terrible, and then a little bit of Jesus on the side. And that was and he and we you know we were just talking about it, and he just said, this guy spending all of his time trying to launch networks and do all this stuff, and and he and he isn't even doing the job that he's here for. And that, and that's the issue, and that's right. that's the warning sign, the red flag that we're it's that we're getting at. Not necessarily, hey, if if they've got a, a soapbox, or if they if they're right. really burdened about something, or they're real passionate about a particular subject, that they should be fired. Not right. at all no. what we're saying. But if that particular subject becomes the sole focus, and that's the only thing that they are interested in doing, yeah. then that church as a whole. And that individual pastor is better off if they go do that yes. and let someone else come shepherd the people. Because, because here's the deal. You are, I really believe this, just like you talk about if you're not working, you know, if, if you work at a, at a fast food restaurant and you're always on your phone, you're stealing from the restaurant. I think you are stealing from God's coffers for your own amusement when you take all the money that's given to you and you go do something 90% of the time that's not taking care of your people. Right. Now, granted, there are a lot of exceptions to that, but I think everybody listening is smart enough and discerning enough to know what we mean. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, that is, is your pastor, and, and, and he, if you can't go through a sermon without hearing something about what they're doing, it's not just like for a month or so or whatever, but that, you just got to weigh that out. Yep. Um, the work ethic is is a, is a huge one, and it's a big subject. Yeah, right? there's a lot, of, a lot of different things that could that could mean, and I'm sure there's more that we haven't that we haven't we haven't mentioned here yeah. that would probably fit. We're drawing under a that. lot of personal experience yeah. from that. Um, I think another one that we need to um, consider as as a potential fireable offense yeah. is broken trust. So yeah, that's a huge one. What I mean by that is you have a staff member who has a pattern of lying. Yeah. Trust is broken. How can Absolutely. how can you have a staff member 
a pastor on your team or the lead pastor in whom you can't trust. Yeah. Like if you can't trust them, then it's time for them to to move on somewhere yeah. else because that that's that's something that needs to be uh Without question, that, that that needs to be kind of an unspoken rule that <laughs> yeah. you should be able to trust your pastor. And if you don't, then you have a real problem. And it rolls into the next one of that, too, is, is a unity breaker. And mm-hmm. those two kind of go hand in hand because you have people that will lie, but most people are smart enough. And by smart enough, I mean crafty enough to know that they can't really they can't outright out lie. So they'll twist and manipulate. And so and and listen, I've been. Those staffs, I mean, just rampant amounts of, I, I had people making up all kinds of stuff about me at one church and things I'd never heard until it got back around to me. And then the pastor knew that that was not true. And But at the end of the day, a, a, how we speak and what we say can not only break trust, but broken trust is not just, well, they did something and now they never get it back. It's the the little bites slowly but surely that take your credibility away. Right. Because at one point, people just... They may always be looking for gossip or looking for a thing, but they'll go to the newest source every time rather than stick with an old, unhelpful source. And so, you know, I, I remember at one point I was at a church where uh, I got hired and I don't even know it's because there were four staff members and 1500 people. And so everybody did three jobs. And I found out one of them, I got hired and I had it because I was qualified and I had an amount that I needed and I had an amount that I talked for. And that's my responsibility one way or the other to get what I need money wise. And apparently this person found out. And if you don't have a rule in your church staff that you don't talk about salaries, then you probably should institute that. But apparently she found out just by looking at it. And I I found out later had this huge tirade with the people that were close to her not telling them my salary, how she needed more, how she didn't. I mean, and it was just at one point, that break it either breaks yeah. the person that you're that you're with or the other. And yeah, we need cr- to be it creates careful. it can create division real easily. And we need for to be sure. careful too. Where do you where do you place your trust? Because sometimes people can parlay groups that eventually causes disunity because they make it seem like they're very trustworthy. Be careful if you're somebody a pastor vents to, then that's a great thing. Be there for them. But if it just seems like that pastor is constantly talking about people all the way around, there can't be trust there. Yeah. So yeah, and, that, and, that and that's and that's a unity breaker. Yeah. Too right, mm-hmm. and and so if you if you are a pastor or on a staff team, and you are constantly tearing down other pastors or the ministry as yeah. a whole or the way the senior pastor does something, then I mean. You, if you've listened to this podcast at all, you know we're not the kind of guys that say protect the senior pastor at all costs and he can do no wrong. Yeah, not at all. Like we've never once said Have that. Have his back, but let the bullets go to the front. <laughs> but 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 if really. if that is your approach and you're constantly to other people tearing down your leadership, then that's a staffing issue, and yeah. and that's a that's a leads to a conversation of. Hey, this isn't going to work. You need to you need to go someplace else. I was thinking in the words of Aretha Franklin, "You're no good, unity breaker." That work? I thought it was good. Sure. Uh, okay, so there's also a pretty a pretty blatant one, but also I think becoming more and more in our culture an easy one to slip in because mm-hmm. because the more ignorant, and I think that I think we are border. I don't know if we're more ignorant than we've ever been. I think Paul dealt with this a lot in the in the Bible. So I mean, I just think we are who we are. People are like this, and they tend to be like this. But we indulge ignorance and experience over discipleship and growth and truth. Yeah. So, right? I, and I know where you're going with this. 
So I would say, no, we are not more ignorant than we've ever been. Right. Human beings are as stupid as we've ever been. It's true. I will say in our present context, we are more biblically illiterate. That's a great point. Than than we have ever been. And that's why this last one. Uh, as you say, just kind of slips in without us but even recognizing we're not, it's because we're illiterate. Yeah. We're in, not just in, biblically illiterate. We choose it. Mm-hmm. And that's what's scary about it. It's not just like, hey, we're growing and we're connecting, we're learning. And I get it on that way. It is we revel in our ignorance and our, or our illiteracy. And I, yeah, I think that's dangerous. But it, it because of that, and here's the deal. Churches are not supposed to be enemies of the pastor. They are supposed to be accountability guards for the pastor, just as the pastor is supposed to help. There's a a dual check and balance there that shepherds are to take care of and teach their sheep. And sheep, just like Paul with the Bereans and Acts, they're supposed to take what he says, study it, look into it and go, hey, you just said Jesus may or may not be the son of God. That doesn't sound right. And then move it up, right? right. There should be a reason. And, and so that's that's that final yes. component of, or that final reason for firing a pastor that, that we teaching. hear is false teaching. If if uh, if you have a pastor who is teaching heretical doctrine, yeah, then that is a reason to say, hey, this is this is not going to work out for us. I think too. So th- I think this needs to make the list not because it's a scriptural thing, but because it's a logical thing. Okay. Because you, when you talk about the New Testament church, it would make sense that, gosh, the allergy season is killing me. Oh, it's terrible. But you, but here's here's something that I'm, I'm really passionate about this because I've I've been on the receive. So have you been on the receiving end of this several times, and but it has always since before I was even in full time ministry has angered me that the longevity of a pastor is somewhere. I mean, it depends on the position, but like for a student pastors, like it used to be eighteen months. I think it's even shorter now. But that the longevity of pastors and ministry people keeps shrinking slowly but surely. And I think that something that should be on this, and it's not to say fire your pastor for this, it is to consider the future of your pastor if you have a prolonged revolving door of staff members at your church. And and here's what I mean. I get it that sometimes a new pastor, like a new lead pastor, this is more lead pastor than anybody else, comes in and, and he takes over. So there's a head pastor position and I get it. Some people aren't going to jive. He needs to help some people help them transition, not clean house, not fire. But at the end of the day, if you give them two, three, four, five, six years, and they keep hiring and firing and hire or hiring and people resign, if people won't stay there back and forth, that's a that's a really big red that's flag big to red say flag. this person. I mean, I, I caught that. Like I, I literally come in here, walked away from a church that I was the fifth major staff member to run a ministry who had been hired and resigned or fired within five years. I mean, like fifth or sixth or seventh. And then, and then, and nobody's stories other than mine, because mine was true, but nobody's stories ever matched up with why they left. And so like the last one is hilarious. This guy left and he said, I'm retiring from church forever and for ministry. And I'm going to bat. And everybody's like, oh, great. They did a retirement ceremony for him. Three days later, there's a Facebook post. He went, I'm the new care pastor at this other church in town. And it's, but, but that's a red flag. Yeah. We should worry about that. Yeah. Some, too many churches have a, a reputation of being preacher eaters. And that's, and a, that's, that could be a good song. That's, that's or a book band title. Name. A band name. Well, yeah, it could be a book title too. I like, 
but that's history. but that's the reputation they they just they just chew up pastors and spit them out and the turnover album, is, is just over and over and over yeah. bringing in new people and that's a clear indication that there's something wrong at, at the top of the of the organization well and remember chart. i think this is constantly the argument right it's 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 usually though in this case is not the extreme of saying there is a and and i think that we kind of wanted to t- touch the subject and talk about it because you the fewer people that speak up, the less things change for the better in this situation. You as a church member, your only options are not stay there and endure or leave. Your options are to speak up and be an ever-present voice and saying, guys, this isn't right. And eventually, then it's time to leave if nobody listens. But we have to do the due diligence of not rallying a coup, not doing that, but Maybe getting before, if you have a deacon board or an elder board or, and say, listen, I'm very concerned. I have a heart. I mean, come at it lovingly. Try and meet with the pastor. But but yeah, you, we have to look at the fruit and not what somebody marks the tree as. A lot of us write down tomato on an apple tree and, <laughs> and we go, that's not right. You're not going to get tomatoes from it. Oh, wow. Yeah, who would? Who would? So those, yeah. those are kind of the... What we look at and say, okay, when when should a pastor be fired, or you know, what are some valid reasons? Because as you alluded to earlier, there are some very invalid reasons that people want to fire their pastor. No doubt, Um, these these are the reasons that we would look at and say, yes, there there is there is a case to be made here. There is more exploration that has to happen, obviously. Yeah, but but these are some valid reasons for for termination. and then we we want to spend the rest of our time today kind of talking through some of the some of the more how to side the practical yeah how do you let part of this how does this happen and and all of this you know this whole conversation yeah. is kind of laying the groundwork for the upcoming conversations that we have over the next several weeks with yeah. several guest uh, pastors uh, and we're super excited about all of that we and have getting a, their a perspectives pretty solid list of guests coming we, up yes so. and so uh, all, and and all brand new guests um, we love our our that's true. Um, that true I was trying to think and prove you wrong are so far our honorary mad pastors that we've had over the last 30 some odd episodes we are excited to introduce some more people to yeah. you so definitely check back in for those but all of this yeah. is kind of laying some groundwork for those conversations right. that come up but let, let's talk for a few minutes about how you let a pastor go and, and yeah. what are some of the things that that you need to do cut the cord um, don't care about their families they messed up your church that's, get rid of them. Okay, we're done. In the podcast. Or if they're really yes. good at talking, give them a huge salary benefit, but make sure only the dirtiest of them get the big salaries yes, and get sent that's off. That's exactly right. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Personal experience coming so back. You're reading the wrong uh, notes here, dude. <laughs> um, uh, so the, the first thing that we yeah. want to do, if you're in a position to to fire um, a, a pastor or fire an employee, whether it's right. you're part of an elder board or whether you're a senior pastor or executive pastor, uh, whatever the case is, first thing, and this this is Maybe so you're a senior adult pastor because we know you exist and we're there for heck you. Yeah, this is so common sense that I hate to even have to say it, but I have but, to say it. Hey, um, Benjamin Franklin said, "Common sense is anything but and, common." And I think, and I don't really have a problem saying it because Paul says it yeah. too, right? Yeah. Um, the first thing is to gather all of the facts. Yes. 
Oh yeah. Obviously. When you have a pastor that you're considering By that, letting you mean go, just talk to a bunch of people to get a general consensus, and then yes, overturn and 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 ask the people that you know are going to support your own opinion. That seems very legitimate. Yes, that's the way to do it. But no, Paul. Paul says in First Timothy five, he tells Timothy, "Hey, here's how you do this." Uh, in verse nineteen, he tells him, "Do not bring an accusation against an elder." Yep without at least two or three witnesses. Sure. Right. And so Paul's saying, hey, you need to make sure that if you're going to accuse an elder because of the position that they hold and, and the significance of church leadership and, and what that means for a lost and broken world and for making disciples, if you're going to uh, bring an accusation or charge against a pastor or an elder, right. make sure you've got the facts. Make sure that this can be validated and verified. Otherwise, if it's just hearsay, you don't have a case, right? And so yeah. the first thing we need to do is make sure that we have all of the facts. The telephone game constantly gets played by adults with stuff like this. And I mean, I I have been on the receiving end yeah. of some of that stuff. And I've had, I mean, it, at one point, and you find this a lot too, not as a head pastor. I mean, sometimes you do, but as other pastors who are head pastors who don't have the, the cojones, to just man up and either grow up themselves or they just want to tell you it ain't going to work. So let's transition out. I've had them. I've had people make up stuff that was blatantly untrue mm -hmm. and I've been brought other people into it. They, they bring you into secret little meeting rooms with two people and that don't talk. And so they don't, you know, they told this whole thing to me and I said, that's, that's not true. I had, I had these three people with me and they, they'll tell you that's not true. Well, and they move on. That's not gathering facts. Right. So, and, and it also facts, you should be, not that I would say that the American justice system is where we need to find all this, but I do think you should seek to prove the innocence of your pastors before and, and allow, assume and say, I want to know what's true as objectively as I can. And I don't want to find anything wrong with them, but I'm going to let the facts be the facts. I think that's the problem. We come in with an agenda and being agenda list is what facts mean, yeah. finding facts. is saying, did you really say this? Well, I, but I need to know. I mean, tease that out. Ask questions. So so, so find the facts. Uh, next, one, next thing you want to do is you want to make sure that it is a collective decision from yeah. whatever authority structure you have in place, elder yes. board. If, if you're a senior pastor and you need to fire someone, you're not making that decision yeah. just on your own, uh, that you have involved your council or your board or your deacons or whoever it is that's involved, they are a part of this. They have all the facts. You guys have had conversations about it and you're not making this decision by yourself. Yeah. And like one thing is like, it's not a, a personal vendetta. Also, I think it's just wise. This may not be a red flag, but you need to rotate out your deacon and elder and vision boards on a regular basis or else pretty soon that becomes a some type of stalwart for a good old boys club. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, a good old boys club, but like, you know, there'll be one powerful guy that's not the pastor that can control it or the pastor controls it. And yeah. very rarely you need to be rotating new people. And that's also just the command to disciple and to bring people up. And not everybody needs to serve on those all the time. And yeah. whatever, whatever that context looks like is, is your business. But, but to have like a permanent fixture of hooded men doing things in a room, <laughs> like that's what I feel like, because it was really funny. I served at a church where they had a, they called it a vision team. It was one of those avant-garde churches that likes to make up names for stuff. And like the, the minister of education was a life formations pastor. I don't know what that means, but 
it was important. I served as an associate one. I still don't know what it means. But they, uh, just kidding, I, I might know what it means. Uh, but all that to say, the uh, but there was this vision team, and we kind of knew who was on it. And you, it wasn't like it was a secret, but it wasn't readily available. And then the only two people to meet were the pastor and the executive pastor with those guys. And that's fine, but there was never really any connection back and forth. And what happened years later after the head pastor, that was the team that was supposed to bring accountability on the pastor. They not only, that group of men, not only allowed that pastor to have a bunch of affairs and not actually keep him in community with people and all that. So it was a fail. Uh, but the next guy came in, nearly bankrupted the church, pushed out half the staff. I was one of them and thankfully one of the early ones but pushed him out, ran the church into the ground. And then everybody wondered what was going on. And nobody, nobody even knew, Michael, that there was two legitimate members on an eight member team that could not vote or make decisions. It was the pastor who had been lying about financial details with these guys. So I'm just saying, make sure that the body of people you pick is as impartial and focused on the good of the church as you can get. Yeah. And and the reason for having that collective group is because you don't want it to be a personal vendetta, right? Right. You should never fire someone just because you don't like them. Yeah. Like, and that guy should always be, that, you can't keep that guy from ever getting anywhere, but he should be the odd man out in those situations. Like, so so yeah. make sure you have a, a collective decision-making uh, group for that. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. The next thing you, you, you have to do is you have to consider that pastor's family. Oh, um, yeah. And sadly enough... Even in ministry, not being fired or not being let go, sometimes it's not even a firing. It's just a mutual letting go. And you, man, the way that you treat that family, and it's usually poor. So yeah. if you're not a pastor and you're listening to this, don't be the reason that people walk away from the church and then don't ever connect because they watch nothing but trash and garbage and crap happen in that church. The church should be the most generous, kind, and taking care of it like they should it shouldn't just be well he messed up they're out it should be hey we're going to take care of you and your family for this for a long amount of time or whatever yeah. you need and and i mean when you're that personally frustrates me because i've watched a lot of families suffer greatly for that yeah and it should when when you're when you have to fire someone you you do have to particularly as you're talking through severance or, or timeline transition which sure. we'll get to that in a minute but sure. you do want to consider the family just just because they have a family is not a reason to keep them so yeah. i mean we need to consider that yeah. side of it as well i mean yeah they're 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 stealing money from the church but they've got two little kids at home so we can't yeah. fire them well that's no that's that's not your responsibility no. uh to care for them long term there are some yeah. things you can do to help provide for that family yeah. uh, as as you go but you definitely need to consider that family or because if you're firing a pastor because you know he's yeah. he's left his family and he's cheating on his on his wife and uh, and he's you know gone off the deep There's end no and he's gone uh then yeah of course you're going to fire him but yeah. you need to do what you can to take care of his family that that he's leaving well and don't um, like yeah if he's unrepentant and he's just walked away that's when you don't you're not necessarily even helping him you need to let him get to his end but what are you going to do and I, I actually watched i don't know if it was done well but i did think it was done better than most of the time i watched that happen when a pastor had three kids and a wife and they just lost everything and uh, and they 
they did tend to take care. They helped her get a job. People, but and, and it was kind of sad then, though that some workplace did more than the church did. Yeah, but, and but that's yeah. that's doing it the right way. They you know should. that that yeah. family lost lost a husband and a father. They shouldn't lose a, a their church family too. And they right? should, if your church is functioning well for them too, nobody should ever lose their support network. Yeah, and that's what that's the worst thing is that families often feel like no matter if it's a moral failure or not. They feel, it's like they lose their support system when anything like that happens, yeah. and it shouldn't be. Well, the next thing is, and we and we, we, we said this at the beginning, right, that you also need to consider the pastor's future. Right. Uh, firing a pastor well, mm-hmm. and depending, again, on what they're being fired for. Yes. Uh, if they're being fired because of, you know, maybe the laziness issue or, or something, if they're being fired for something that, doesn't disqualify them from ministry. Right. Maybe there's not a good fit or, you know, there's a difference in vision or, you know, they, you're a Baptist church and yeah. they are, uh, they've kind of adopted more of a Presbyterian uh, theology yeah. and okay, they haven't done anything wrong. They just need to go pastor at a Presbyterian or church. Maybe they just so you don't fire them. You, yeah. you help them transition. Right. So yeah. when you fire someone, you do need to consider, okay, are are we setting them up for failure? Are they yeah. are they ever going to be able to get another job in the future? Or you know what can we do to to help that process? Or no, they should not be in ministry. So it doesn't matter if we say we fired them, and uh, we yeah. need to think through those kinds of things. So considering their future is something that we need to to take I, yeah. into account. But I think it goes. I do think it goes both ways. One, you're right. If it does not affect their future, if, if it's not a moral failing that disqualifies them for ministry because there is such a thing. Some some denominations, and I, I don't want to just say who or anything like that, but some denominations seem very quick to ignore that stuff and go back, and it's a very cheap grace. Um, there are things that disqualify you just for good. It doesn't disqualify you from loving Jesus and growing and being forgiven and all that, but it does mean that you don't serve in that role. But I have also seen, as of you, the other thing that not only do you need to have a lot of grace in considering that, you also need to know when to black mark somebody and not just toss them off to be another problem. Yeah. And I have seen that. Oh, and that nothing boils my freaking blood more than, I mean, like literally a church, a well-known mega church that sent their pastor off who was in a moral of having an affair and doing all this stuff. They had a going away party, sent him off to another church knowing, and they sent him there for them to find out there and have a huge problem. And guess what? It was so that the main pastor didn't have to deal with it in his church. So I'm just, that's, that's a problem. I get so fired up about that. And that, but that's because we, it's like we protect the, and the I've pred- seen that happen a couple of times. Yeah. We so. protect the predators and then we hurt the guys that genuinely can grow and desires or just or just had a difference of opinion with what we were doing. Yep. Protect the people that are worth protecting and let the wolves get beaten by the shepherd's rod. I don't <laughs> I'll I will give you a rod to beat them. I'll help with the beating. But just get those when people are predators. Then stone those jerks and get rid of them and move them out. Maybe not they, literally. They have bad. no business being in pastoral ministry they are, at all. Predator and is the word. Yes. I mean, it is It is when, especially when, when it's a head pastor, but dude, student pastors, I would, I would, I would go to say that when I, whenever I hear about a student pastor having a sexual relationship with a, with a girl or something like that, that guy needs to be chemically castrated and put in jail. I, and I'm just throwing it out there. That's the worst I've ever gotten here. But I am tired of that. Because that is taking a position of power and authority and using it to violate somebody that you're called to care for and to love. And that's not, I would reckon that that may or may not even be a believer, 
let alone just oh for sure and so that's not even the sign or trait of a believer it's one thing to say well i had a marriage issue and did that but when somebody becomes whether it's pedophilia or whether it's statutory right or whatever it is man get get man or woman get them gone yeah they do not need to be and make sure that they are branded as such on their employment record and all of those things yep and, and and pursue the law. Yes. Sorry, I'm just going to <laughs> and I want to we'll come back to that in a second. Um but one of the other things that we need to do yeah is make sure that we have clearly articulated to that pastor why they're being let go. Absolutely. Absolutely. That is something that does not happen. No. And that was that was my own experience. Me too. Yeah. Uh was yeah, we're we're letting you go, but we're not going to tell you why. Yeah. Okay. Can you can you help? you haven't done anything wrong? We're just going to fire you. Okay. <laughs> can I ask? Nope. No questions. We're not. Yeah. We're we are an at this this state is an at will employer, so we yeah. we have the the legal right to fire anyone at any time. Mm-hmm. We're exercising that right, and we're not going to answer any questions. I'd say this too. That's not helpful, and that's not yeah. godly. If you have the balls to make a decision that that hurts and alters a family, then you better have the balls to tell them why. Right. Because I've walked away from churches where I got demoted at a church. We doubled the size of the student ministry, got it healthy. I, I went home and went to bed every night feeling like garbage for six months because I had to I defended this pastor, built all this stuff up. And I had later this pastor sent me down and demoted me and said, well, we're just going to put you over high school and do this and this and this. And I asked his buddy that knows him and was his executive guy, essentially. And I said, what happened? And he went, I said, everything has been great. We were hiring another guy to work for me. And he said, well, here's the deal. He just doesn't feel comfortable with you having as much influence as you have because of how you led. Okay. Well, at least be man enough to tell me that. And at least say that. Yes. And so, So, yeah. I mean, that, that, that needs to happen. And I, and I've seen this happen on a, a handful of occasions where someone is fired from a, a pastoral role or a church staff role and there is no explanation given. Like yeah. even asking, hey, can you can you at least tell me what I've done wrong so that I can improve for the, yeah. for the, my next? Nope, we're not going to. Yeah. And I know HR and legal stuff gets sure. in into all of that mess, which is a whole nother reason Podcast why I, I think the church is following a an organizational structure yeah. that is more business minded than it is kingdom minded 100%. and we we get into some problems there but yeah. but not only do we need to explain to the pastor who's being fired why they're being fired yep we need to explain with clarity yep. to the congregation and again we got some more HR legal stuff there are, I sure. understand there are things you can't disclose and that that kind of stuff if there's but, a lawsuit or something I mean but that here's makes sense. here's the real this this is what kills me right is when a pastor is fired particularly in a larger church where there's you know multiple staff members sure. uh and a pastor gets gets let go there may be some kind of announcement attached to the end of a service or, or, you know, an ambiguous email that's sent out. 10 years is just gone. It's like, well, they're there. This pastor is leaving. Thank them yeah. for their service. That's it. And that's it. Uh, and then, so in, in one of the situations that I was in where I had to fire one of my staff members for a moral failing. Yeah. Uh, was told exactly I was given a script for what I should say from from the stage in addressing this to our church family right and um 
and it was something along the lines of, uh, we don't want any speculation to happen. We don't want you wand- what, letting your mind wander to, to what this might be. That's not yeah. going to be our focus. Uh, we're going to just say this person is no longer on staff, which I thought was the dumbest thing you could possibly Dude, say. I, Ian, yeah. <laughs> I got something really bad to tell you, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. Uh, but what is it? What does your mind do right then? Dude. It's, I have to know what this is. It's, it's, it's either this or it's this or it's this or maybe it's this or I did see this happen once or maybe it's this. or Yeah, it's that scene in, in uh, Inception where he says, what if I told you don't think about elephants? What do you think? What are about? you thinking about? And he goes, elephants. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but but that's exactly. So this. So case so in point, this be, happened. Be oh. clear in in what is happening. A lot of times, though. When people know that's true, and it has a lot to do with the intestinal fortitude to do it and to deal with it, we think that hiding something is going to cause less of a problem. And A, when has that ever helped in life or God's word? But no, I had this. So I was going to say, it's not about what that person did. It's about how it impacts other people in the aftermath. And so you can do, I, I, I no joke at that same church I was talking about. Pastor has many, multiple moral failures and he's asked to leave. So I was on an executive team and I was sitting down there. And again, they had the secret, you know, robed uh, executive team who decided how they were going to handle it all. We didn't even get talked to. We just got informed. And he went, he said, here's, here's what was just so, it was so godly. We called a guy who's had experience with some of this. I was like, well, hopefully on the dealing with and not the doing. But he's like, well, he just said, guys, go to the throne before you go to the phone. And I went. Uh, okay. How does that apply here? So they stood all of the, the seven dwarves up on stage that were in charge of this. And one of them came forward to read a statement. And in all of this statement, the only thing of substance that everybody held on to was he committed a moral failure and that was it. And so here's what happened. It, that it ranged from, is this kid gay? Which I don't really know why you get fired for that, but is this kid gay? Did he rape? I think he raped a 16 year old, had an affair with her. Did he steal money from the church? This, I was wondering where that million dollars went, which we were like, I don't think a million went missing. And so, but I'm straight up. And that's the that's, problem. Ambiguity doesn't breed healthy. No. And so, and you don't need to air out all the laundry and give names, but you need to be able to say this well, person had an affair. I mean, this you, person yeah, you, mishandled funds. There there is an there's a biblical principle here and a biblical mandate in that right. same passage that we looked at first uh, Timothy five the next verse verse twenty Paul says hey if if an elder so you know don't bring an accusation unless it can be verified right but if it can be verified then bring them to the front publicly mm-hmm. and call them out on it so that the rest of the church will be afraid Bible. Like use this as yeah. a disciplinary action, but we don't. And I understand there are there are different legal and right. HR stuff that laws that we have to follow and all that kind of stuff. I get that. And no, you you shouldn't stand up and say, "Hey, we're firing Pastor Joe because Pastor Joe had an affair with uh you know the kids volunteer coordinator Susie, and so Joe and Susie are having an affair together, and that's why we're firing them because we caught them at the Holiday Inn Express. <laughs> you don't need to go into the details. Of it was that's, a very cold night, yes, like, uh, raining a that's, little. That's silly, but but you can but say yeah. he he broke yeah. his marriage vow, 
Uh, he has disqualified himself based on the principles in First yep. Timothy three yep. and five of of being a pastor, and right. and we're we're doing what we can to to help that family. Yeah. But he is not suited for being a pastor uh, right now. And I don't. That's a hard. And I don't want to be too. I will be rough with the guys that I'm talking about on those points. I made. Mm-hmm. I don't know how rough I'm going to be. I mean, I get there were some dynamics that because here's the problem. The church, though God had done a lot of cool things in that church. I mean, we had a student ministry that had grown by hundreds and hundreds of kids in a, in a month, and we'd seen a lot happening. But at the same time, that church had been so built on that person. So, and, and interestingly enough, none of the other minute we actually grew in spite of it. None of so he had given away all these things, but there were a lot of core people who walked away. And, you know, you don't know how much sway that guy had or didn't have you. And I don't know if he was healthy to be up front, but if they're not healthy to be up front and be there in person, which I think for the sake of grace, for the sake of healing, for the sake of showing the consequences to actions like that, you need to at least be honest about what it was. I mean, I had more conversations trying to defend bad leadership. And honestly, I don't know, looking back on it, I see all that in the moment. I was a 23, 24 year old new pastor who was just trying to do what he was told. And therein lies the difficulty. I had all these men who were supposed to be multi-decade veterans who weren't any better. Right. And yeah, so there's providing clarity to the church. Um, maybe the last thing that we need to talk about is, yeah, and we're a little bit long on this one. Hopefully though it's entertaining and it's, and it'll pull you in. Not that it's about entertainment, but you know, but to develop a transition plan, but to do it with funding for removing pastors. I mean, it's not just you're going to be gone in a couple of weeks. Like, how are we going to create this plan? How does how does that work? So I, I think what we need to do is part of your budget. Yeah. Uh, and I get some, you know, small churches that barely have any budget sure. at all. Sure. This is going to look different than than a large church that, that has an ample budget. But it, as far as it is within your ability to do so, yeah. there, there ought to be a fund that is designated for pastoral transition. That's yeah, that's a great uh, idea. An ideal way. Now, obviously, you know, we've said it several times now. If it's if it's a moral failing or something that disqualifies them from ministry, they're done. They're out. That's sure. that's pretty clear. Absolutely. But if it's a matter of you're not a good fit, you know, we we think you belong somewhere else. Whatever that kind of stuff is, that should not be a cut ties right now. You're yeah. out on the curb. Uh, and and that's the end of it. Right. It should be a hey, this is this is not the long term place for you. Your your ministry here is coming to an end. We are going to help you until you find another another position. And so whether that's keep them on as and doing doing some work uh, on the side, or whether it's just a a yeah. severance that is set up. That hey, we want to s- supply for you and your family until you find your next thing, and we're yeah. going to help you do that. There needs to be something in place there because that's that's what we would call Christian charity. I yeah. get that the secular world companies don't. If you go to a company and you and you're, I mean, if you're even interviewing with another company, you're gone. Yeah. Like clean out your desk, right, uh, right then, that's always and you're the out. Joke. You're like, can I speak um, with Stephen? Yeah, I, no, I'm not from another church. I no. just need to talk with Stephen. Right, but 
the church world shouldn't operate the way the business world does. Absolutely uh, not, because they believe in a God that's in control of all things. Charity <laughs> ought to be at the forefront of, right. of who we are as as Christ followers, and so yeah. we need to we need to build this into our culture a system in place for handling transitions and, and doing that, and handling them well with grace yeah. uh, and with dignity. For, I would say on everybody. The, to add to that though too, so there's a couple facets of this that I've experienced personally, and that some one. May, do it from a pure heart mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, sometimes people do it to humiliate or to or to let people know that, you know what, he, we're giving them these jobs or whatever. Do One, do it from a pure heart and do it in a way that uplifts and loves them. But two, on that, be look at your budget. And this is something that always – I know there's a lot of concerns, but this always frustrated me. Um you have you have a budget set aside, a line item for that salary, or and you're making money there. If help the please help the next it's gonna help other churches and help the body of Christ, and you'll answer for it. Help them start fresh, well at a new place. They don't need to be I've been in this position where I'm so freaking broke from paying moving fees and everything else. And my church it hadn't even hired anybody, didn't have anything going on. And they didn't pay me. They just went, well, you got a couple of weeks and you're gone. No. And it's helped them. If you can pay them for an extra two or three paychecks, that's really small, small or, pickings yeah, to or, help them. Or cover their moving truck or, yeah. you know, just doing you something, do build that into your into your annual budget where that's right. an account that is there for that, that purpose. And if you're doing yeah. staff well, you're not going to have a ton of turnover. And so that's money that's just going to sit there and build interest. Yeah. And it's not, hopefully it's money you don't ever have to use. Yeah. Um, or, or if you do have to use it, it's it's for a good transition kind of a thing. Yeah. But, a but yes, like that. A qualified pastor, and I say qualified as a not disqualified, but a qualified pastor should not ever miss a paycheck if they don't have to. Right. So, so I think um, we need to be thinking that way. And, and yeah. while we're thinking about severance, um, one thing you absolutely do not do is offer a severance in exchange for for the outgoing pastor to stay quiet. Oh, absolutely. So so that's that is what that's happened. That's dirty backdoor oh, politics. It, it is. That's hush not money. church. And and that that happened to me. That happened yep. I know that happened to several others who I know, were, guys, who were that fired from that same church. Yeah. I, I was given a 15 or 18 page non-disclosure agreement that I was asked to sign that said I would not talk to anyone from this church ever yep. again. And I no. You know what you do in that case? In exchange for two paychecks. Yeah. Like you you take that, that is, you roll that thing up and you tell them to suck on that NDA because that is not biblical is, or godly or anything. It is it it's is so manipulative. Stupid. It is yes. it is shady. It is ungodly. And it is so That's do so not do that. I mean, ah. I understand severances and, and I understand, yeah. you know, wanting to end things as well as you can. That is right. not how you end something well. No. Uh, that is how you that is how you continue to promote an evil uh, attitude in within the church. And so you've yeah. got to not do that. You offer a severance, yeah. but don't offer it in exchange for, for them staying. Is silent. the church That's, as a whole evil? No. Are particular churches run by people like Paul would would warn us against? Can they be evil? Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, jinx. You owe me a coffee, a Joy House coffee, who also mm. sponsor us. Um, well, Thanks, hey, Joy House. This, has been, this has been great. We're super long, so we'll make the goodbyes short. Uh, but here's the deal. Um, please subscribe. Maybe you heard something today that you know a friend, a pastor, or a church going through this and somebody that needs to hear it. Please share it. Quote us. Do whatever you can, but it costs you no money 
to click subscribe on YouTube and to hit the alert button. We would love that. And just share it on your Facebook feed. Go like G6Allies.com. All that info is coming up right after this. But we love you guys. Uh, May your coffee stay hot. And your ministry stay healthy. Yeah. See y'all. See you guys. Thank you for listening to the Mad Pastors podcast today. We hope that you found it not only encouraging, but beneficial that you have people in your corner doing ministry. Here's what we'd love for you to do. If you'd subscribe, review, and share our podcast, that would mean the world to us and it'd help as many pastors to hear and be encouraged just like you were. G6 is also supported by partners and allies like you who are willing to financially give and be a part of this ministry with us. So if you feel like you'd like to be a part of this with us, just go to g6allies.com slash partner. And we'd love for you to become our ally in our mission to serve pastors and their families. If you have questions, comments, or just want to talk more with us about your particular ministry needs, just email us at hello at g6allies.com. We can't wait to see you next time for our next episode.